Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with Jason McCullough. Jason is no stranger to community or philanthropy. His mother was the former mayor and city council member for the city of Lake Forest in California for 20 years. Jason founded Closed Eyes Open Hearts for the sole purpose of helping people. His vision is to lead this organization into being recognized as a positive and strong advocate to educate and empower the community through work with transitional age homeless youth. Jason is currently a business student at Cal State Dominguez Hills and has gone through its innovation incubator to help him develop the business model and plan for Closed Eyes Open Hearts. I'm so thrilled to be able to share your story today, and I want you to just start from the beginning of when you began to feel like this pull to serve others. So if that began as a young boy or whatever you feel, I want you to just maybe start at the beginning. Okay. I felt like the foundation was set when I was younger. I don't think I knew what was being established, but I was blessed to have a good upbringing. My grandparents have been in philanthropy for now over 40 years with their nonprofit, which is called Adopt a Neighbor Food and Outreach out of Lake Forest in Orange County. And I grew up, as you would think, you know, your grandparents have an outreach. We were there. Uh, they're both pastors. My grandfather just passed away, but my grandmother still leads the church. And I'd spend summers and I'd help. My aunt at that point was helping out as well. We all kind of were pitching in and just working at the outreach, boxing breads, sorting food, sorting clothes. Holiday season, you know, my grandmother would have barbecue events at the park. We passed out toys. My great-grandmother worked there. She was retired. Her and my grandfather were both retired. They kind of ran it for my grandmother, who ended up getting into politics. So she ended up having my great-grandmother and my grandfather kind of run it. But I think that was the point when I really had that good establishment. I think I had mentioned my grandfather later telling us about really developing a true passion, and that's what kind of separates people to develop that that true empathy, that understanding Mm -hmm. of putting yourself aside. And then honestly, I took a a pretty big hiatus as far as understanding it until later on in my mid-20s, I had finished focusing on sports and I was kind of looking for something, you know, really talk to God and and really see where he was trying to lead me. I wanted to, you know, really focus. I like to challenge myself. And at that point, I was speaking with one of my friends who was interning at a nonprofit and I would just go there and talk with her and talk with her. And I ended up saying, you know, hey, why, why can't we do something, you know, like this? And from there, we started doing my research and I started really talking to my grandmother closely about what a nonprofit is and how it would take to start it. And at that point, we were focused on trying to help pregnant and parenting teen mothers. And 
and it all just kind of blossomed from there. So how old were you when you first volunteered and helped out your grandparents with their nonprofit? I was probably, uh, man, as soon as I could walk, I was probably five or six. Wow. You know, my family, we all had to pitch in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how young you were, you know, you, you grab bread if you could. If you could only, you know, carry a small treat or something like that, you know, my little sister would be trying to do what she did. Did you know you were volunteering at the time or was it one of those things where it was just, oh, this is what my family's doing? I mean, at age five, did you even know or? I don't think I knew so much now that you put it that way. Honestly, I looked at it like I was helping my grandmother out. My grandmother is as amazing. She's the matriarch of her family. She has a presence. When we would go and spend weeks at a time with my grandparents, to me, it was just part of what my family did. My great-grandmother says we were educators and preachers. So it's just been part of our lineage. My grandmother started her nonprofit out of her house. My grandfather's a Marine veteran, and she was handing bread out of their house back on the Marine bases wow. you know, and then handing out food. She says that when she was a little girl, she used to hand out stuff to the homeless back when she was in St. Louis. So it goes back. It's yeah. just uh, like they say, it's in my blood. I really think so. Now I understand that more. Yeah. <laughs> and is your sister the same way as well? No, you know what? My two sisters do other things. My little sister goes to college currently at Long Beach State, and my older sister is married in Sacramento, and she's in the HR management field. I'm pretty much (laughs) the only grandchild that kind of picked up the mantle, per se. Like I said, God works in in funny ways sometimes. Yet anyway, right? Because I feel like when something's ingrained or it's something that you grew up with, and like you said, you didn't know it was just part of what you did with your family. I feel like at some point it kind of comes back out again in what you're doing, whether it's as big of a scale as creating a nonprofit or teaching it like one of your sisters who already has kids, possibly instilling a few things here and there, whether she knows it or not, into the lives of her kids at this Mm -hmm. point. Tell me a little bit more about the incubator program that you were in. And was that really the catalyst that got you to create what is now your nonprofit organization? I would say that it wasn't so much the catalyst. I would say it was a new beginning. We had been around for roughly two and a half years, probably at that point. We were established in 2013 and we got our status in 2015, but I had just transferred to the University of Dominguez Hills and ironically, my first professor for my first class was the interim director of the program. And getting into the program, we were the only nonprofit in this class of clients. And they just really helped me to restructure it, I would say. And I think in the sense of a catalyst of taking it to another level, I would say now I look at it as we're in, in the adolescent stage. Yeah. But um, you had your idea before you walked in, basically, because you yeah, said you yeah, were the only we nonprofit. Been it. Yeah. They helped us polish it, I would say. I wanted to help everyone. I wanted to do so much. They kind of helped me understand about really focusing in on our target market and really understanding what our demographic was and how to be the most effective, understanding infrastructure, a lot of the business aspects of looking at it from a business side as well. Absolutely. Because I feel like people who either do social enterprise or nonprofits, they really start from the heart first. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to do what you're doing 
really stepping back and saying, okay, but I still need a business model and a plan for this. I think that's very, very helpful. So where does Closed Eyes, Open Hearts, where does that name come from? And what did you end up focusing on? What's really funny is this whole thing started from conversation between friends. For me, just always, I feel like I was very understanding of what's going on around me. I didn't understand how to fix it, but I always looked around and I said to myself, if I had a nonprofit, I would definitely, I like to be non-judgmental with people in general. And I said to myself, I wouldn't want to look at somebody's race, creed, color, any of those things. I would just strictly want to help them. And I think I had said it, we would want to close our eyes and just open our hearts to these people. And then it just clicked. Wow. <laughs> From there, I said, that's exactly what it is. You know, closing eyes to a negative past and opening hearts to a positive future. And it just grew from there. That's our mission. Which really allows you to do many things. You started with maybe the color of the skin or nationality. But what are some of the projects that you might be working on? Right now, we focus on the TAZE, which is transitional age, homeless youth, ages 16 to 24. But right now, I've been working with a church in Watts, California, called the Tabernacle of Faith Baptist. And I've been working with them for about a, a little over a year because one of our missions, our refocusing that the incubator helped us to do is that I really wanted to put some great roots down in the area that I'm focusing on, which is South Los Angeles, service planning area six, which is like Watts and Compton and those areas, South Central. And I came across this church reaching out and I've been really working with them and they have a building called the Annex. And... It's been out of use for roughly seven and 10 years. I've been really gathering together some donors to get a project to renovate it and be able to offer our program the services out of there. Drop in an emergency housing, a food pantry, case management, the whole amount of services that we've been providing access to, we'll be able to actually start providing them out of a brick and mortar. And then uh, one of our main things that really has kept us alive is that me being younger and starting a nonprofit is I really like to kind of show that there's not so much of an apathy towards the youth. And I think today it's, it's a lot better than when it was when we started. So we really like to be innovative with volunteer events. I'm working on a project with a couple of nonprofits coming up next year. We're going to do a community art event is what I like to call it. It's called a California Renaissance. And we did one a couple of years ago. And it focuses on showcasing through arts all the advocacies that my nonprofit and this other nonprofit in the incubator was called the S-Word Project, which is a great nonprofit as well. And just bringing together the arts and individuals to shine light, educate, and allow the arts to kind of interpret what's going on. Wow. And when is that going to be scheduled? Uh, We're planning on next year, October. So you started with this church, you're creating, Uh um, you're rebuilding or renovating the annex. And what types of services do you provide? How do you get the youth there? It says in our mission, you know, treating, educating and empowering. Mm -hmm. So if you break those down, treating, when we say that overall wellness, so whatever needs that you may have within that, if it's nutrition, if it's mental health, if it's vocational training, financial literacy, connecting individuals and the youth to those services and individuals. But now we'll be able to bring those there. But right now I try to pair up the youth to get those services. And then, like they say, housing first. That's what you really want to do. So 
making sure if this individual doesn't have a case manager to pair them up with the case manager, get them access to Section 8 to get them in the process to get the ball rolling. Because, again, housing first is the best way to help this individual down that path. And then food. So uh, having a food pantry, so access to food. So right off the bat, if they need a meal right then and there, help them with that. And then once we get the brick and mortar, I will be able to put our application in with the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Mm-hmm. And we can start receiving food from them to offer nutrition through that atmosphere. And then education. So, you know, wherever they're at, if they want a further education, if they need to go back and get their GED or if they want to look into applying for a community college or whatever aspect in that regard, or if they need some mentoring or uh, tutoring, you know, if they are currently trying to get through high school because one in five LAUSD students have experienced homelessness or are currently homeless. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of homeless youth in the high schools and junior highs and even elementary sometimes. So that's always a struggle. And then clothing. So vocational side of it, mock interviews, helping people prepare resumes or just even apply. Sometimes people have problems either getting access to apply for jobs or they don't know how to do it. So helping them along that path as well. And then training within that, how to speak in an interview, how to present yourself. If they need access to clothing to go to an interview, mm-hmm. you know, some sometimes you may not have access to that a lot of times, actually. So, you know, getting those needs. A lot of volunteers love when we do hygiene kits. So we'll prepare different hygiene kits throughout the year, depending on donations of what we get. Like in the wintertime, I like to do socks and blankets We did a backpack drive recently before school. So these are kids that are homeless? Yes. And I go back to that question, how do you get connected to these kids? Do they mostly come from referral from different places, different people that send them your way? And then my second question is, do you get resistance from the youth that you're pulling to give them this help? Or are they mostly at the point where they are ready to join forces with you and kind of make that decision to be empowered and better themselves and accept that help from you? That's a great question. Yeah, so it's a combination partnering together with other nonprofits that may not have the services for the specific demographic that we focus on being transitional age homeless youth as well as drop-ins. That's actually a big problem all around. I'm actually working on trying to get research to find the hotspots to also spread the word of where youth can get services. But like you said, a lot of times they just come walking in. They're going around and people may, you know, a lot of it's word of mouth, especially with the youth, they come in packs or pairs. So one person will say, this is a good place. Go ahead and go there and you can get X, Y, Z. So a lot of time that's how you see it. But a word that you use that I really like to use is self-empowerment is huge. I really believe in that. I really believe that that's how you help an individual help themselves in the sense that I want them to feel like they can do it after they're done. I want them to be able to walk away and say, I've been given the resources to empower myself and now I can go forward and be a positive part of the community. And no, not every time are people receptive to that. Some people need to continue on through the middle. They may want just the services that they need right now for them in the sense that, you know, they just may just say, hey, I'm only looking for a meal or maybe some clothing. Other than that, I'll be on my way after. Maybe I just need to stay a night or two. I could charge my phone, charge whatever else I have and move on. 
that definitely does happen. And I think that through, you know, the training that I've been receiving, I just took a course with Los Angeles Homeless Housing. They really talk about that care and understanding of what happened to that individual to bring them to that point because they may not be ready yet. Mm-hmm. And with the self-empowerment aspect, you don't want to push somebody. We definitely want to give the services to the individuals that are ready. So I'm going to ask you this because I want to share it with our listeners. <laughs> but how old are you? I'm 31. 31. Okay. And I've been involved in some different organizations that work with the youth. Do you feel that you have sort of an advantage or do you also play on the fun aspect of it? Because I feel like in order to kind of draw people in and get them interested in, even if it is giving them self-empowerment, there has to be some sort of fun, cool type of thing. Or is this just not something where you can kind of use that? No, no, I, I, that's exactly how I wanted to approach it. I was 25 when I started doing this. And that's what I really wanted to establish. I myself at certain points was homeless, trying to find my way. And I understood kind of what they were going through. And some points you may not even not want to even go into depth on what you're going through. You just need help. And then the events, I definitely do want it to be fun. And that's why, like I said, I have a passion for arts. I respect them. I'm not as talented as a lot of the <laughs> artists that we pair with are. So I, I love to see them to be able to interpret it. So I feel like I definitely want to bring out the youth. So I always try to make it fun. You know, it is an issue. The homelessness epidemic is a huge problem. It's bad, but the way that you solve things is bringing it to light, is talking about them figuring out solutions. And honestly, a lot of the great ideas and things that we have comes from other youth, talking with other youthfully minded individuals. And the best people to talk to is homeless youth and talk to them and learn and grow. But also on the volunteer side, we have so many volunteers that tell us that we love the type of events that you do. We love your approach. We're very grassroots. I really don't want to be anything but that in the sense that I really want to keep that connection. And then like you said, you know, keep it fun. I definitely do want to bring that aspect to it. Which is somewhat giving them self-empowerment too, because as you have these conversations with them and get their input of how things could be better, or maybe they, like you, have gone through it and say, you know what, if somebody reached out to me in this way, I would be much more likely to take that step forward. I think that what you're doing and how you're approaching it is brilliant, really. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. I know you said this is sort of grassroots, but part of what I want to do here with this show is introduce people to people, organizations that are doing something good somewhere in the world. And I want to be able to connect people 
to what you're doing. And if they would like to help out in some way, whether it's time or financial means or just even with their skills, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you have this space, this amazing space that you're creating where even though you might not have the capabilities or the knowledge to teach certain skills to these youth that you're, you're working with that you partner with other organizations that do that. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. people like Reggie Corona with advancing the seed, yeah. things like that. So even that type of connection that can be helpful for your organization to grow or to move forward, what kinds of things do you see that you might need to possibly push the needle forward? Just like you said, to start at your first point, something that we definitely learned as an organization and incubator is scalability and understanding that we are an organization and sustainability. I really definitely are pushing forward and pushing forward as the leader of this organization to do my best to take the proper steps to secure those things to be sustainable and not have to sometimes, like they say, fall slave to funding, you know, and lose your mission or your vision chasing funding. That always hurts me when I talk to other people in nonprofits and they're under the crunch and they don't want to cut employees and they're having to try to configure towards funding. So that's one thing that I really feel blessed on is that working in the incubator, it's an incubator for social entrepreneurship. So we focus on the three P's, you know, people, planet, profit, you know, they really teach us about being innovative. We've had some really great speakers come. There's a great organization called NEFTI. They're a national organization and we've been working with the Los Angeles branch and they had a representative come, Bracey Fortes, and she came and spoke to us about funding and nonprofit growth and how to think outside of the box on cause marketing and pairing up with, like you said, with other organizations and institutions that can make a difference. It can be able to connect with the community and constituents that give them their business. And then, like you said, I felt so honored to be able to be on the panel speaking with Advancing the Seed and organizations like that. The event I'm doing in October for the Annex, the cleanup, is with the Inner City Law Center, which has been amazing. Their branch, Homefield LA, is doing a Weekend to End Homelessness event. And they're partnering with so many great organizations. They're partnering with the mayor's office and other council people throughout all of Los Angeles. And we're all going to be doing events that some way is furthering the solution towards homelessness that weekend. Being a part of these great things that are coming up is the best way to come together, really join coalitions and build conglomerates of individuals that are moving forward together to find the best solution. Do you need volunteers? Do you need people to help push it out on social media? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All all those things. And we do have this event posted on a great site called volunteermatch.org. So I've been working with them now for about three years. And we normally put all of our events on there. So you can definitely go on there and check it out and sign up there. Or you can contact us uh, directly by email at info at closedeyesopenheart.org. And we're always looking for volunteers on all aspects. I'm trying to get some new interns in for this next quarter to help from all sorts of various things, from marketing to uh, volunteer management to event planning to fundraising. I saw that. Was that on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. That you put a call out? Okay. So they can Mm -hmm. find you on Instagram Mm -hmm. as well as on your website? Correct. Closedeyesopenheart.org or on Instagram at closedeyesopenheart. 
Do you feel like you can see this growing? I mean, as far as your plans are for the future, you are definitely still kind of working on getting this annex space. Mm-hmm. It sounds like cleaned up, getting different things in there for resources, as well as continuing to partner with other organizations to have those types of educational resources. Is your plan or what you can see forward in just maybe in the near future, places where you can see some of these popping up in other areas where you would need space? Or how do you see this growing for you? Oh, definitely. I'm definitely what people call a grandiose individual in the sense that I have a lot of ideas on. I remember even just when we first thought about this, I just saw the potential to help so many people. My next step, we are hoping that we have enough space on the property, but if not, uh, I want to implement our horticultural therapy, like garden. So it'd be like an urban community garden. Yes. Um, I yeah, love that. I love those. I love the idea. So I really want to partner with the, either the city of Compton or the city of Watts to implement that. And like you said, I definitely have been learning. That was one of the things that they're teaching us in the incubators. They want me to develop the cornerstone. And like you said, I grew up in Orange County. I spoke at a pitch event and one of the, she's a professor at Cal State Fullerton had asked me, I could see this being beneficial in Orange County and other counties, San Diego. So I definitely want to add that aspect because one of the main focuses that I want to add into this platform is innovation through technology. I feel like this sector has been lacking in those type of innovations of adding those aspects to it. So I'm definitely have a lot of great things brewing. But like you said, I'm trying to really partner myself with people who believe in what I'm trying to do. I feel really blessed that we had a husband and wife that's going to give us the seed money to start the ball rolling for the annex. But I definitely am really working hard on trying to partner with them. I have a matching going on to where somebody's willing to match up to 30000 for this project. So I've been really working hard on pitching this. I'm going to go around to a lot of the other banks and other institutions to really drum this up. Because like you said, I really feel like once it gets started, it can really change things. Be able to branch out to the local high schools and beyond and really just bring awareness. Really, I really want to bring awareness of we can solve this together and come together and change our neighborhoods by us and empower each other to do so. That's amazing. So you are young, but you're not young, you know, and I feel like, yeah, and I feel like as far as living in this entrepreneurial space, uh-huh. What would be some great advice for someone who is young that kind of has an idea? Because I feel like it's growing mm-hmm. where there are younger and younger people that are having these amazing ideas, but ideas can be shot down so quickly by loved ones, even parents and siblings mm-hmm. and right and friends. What is some great advice for someone who might have an idea and they are sort of in the young space of, yeah, it's just an idea. I'm not really too sure. What would be some great advice from you for them to be able to take that idea and just run with it? Just do it. I mean, that's part of the advice right there is to to run with it. Like you said, I I think at the beginning, it's been a tumultuous journey. It's definitely been a lot of people telling me, hey, you're not going to get paid like that. Like, why would you go to school and then start a nonprofit so young? Or who do you have backing you and all this? And I said, I work and I took payments out to pay for my 501c3. You know, I did payment plan. I feel like to understand that if you really feel in your heart that you have something, find a mentor, find somebody doing what you're doing, but doing it at a high level. 
and just go speak with them, talk to them, research, do your research and keep chasing it and gain that grit and ability to fail fast. That's something that I've had to learn and something that they've really implemented us in the incubator is people say fail, you get scared, you say, oh my goodness, but you're only a failure if you choose to stop. You're going to fail all the time and you have to embrace it. They joke around in the incubator that, you know, I have the most grit. It's just for me, just not wanting to quit. As long as I'm standing, I always tell all the, the mentors in the group, I'm going to keep going. And maybe if I'm sitting down, I'm taking a knee, <laughs> I'll still keep going. But like you said, just really just challenging and just run with it, just being fearless and saying, you know, why not? That's what I said to myself in the sense that I looked at this issue and I said, what can I do? My grandmother always says, bless someone every day, even if it's just a smile or saying hello to somebody. You never know what that can do for that individual. And, you know, you never know what your idea can do for somebody until you try it. That's great advice. That is <laughs> that is incredible. And and it's funny as you were speaking about grit. And I was thinking about how the other students in that incubator class were saying that you have the most grit. You probably do because you are starting from a place of, like we said, the heart. This is the issue. This was the idea. That's my business around it. Versus a business that is going to give back. Mm. There's a slight difference. Both are great, but I feel that because you have a cause and an issue and you surrounded that with the love that you have, and that is the driving force that is the reason why you're going to continue to do this because you know that if you do not do this, there are people out there that are waiting for you to arrive to do this. And so that's probably one of the biggest driving forces I feel for people who have this one cause that they are working for or that one thing that they strongly believe and that is the reason why they are doing it. Absolutely. I agree with that 110%. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for spending time to talk with me and to tell our listeners some of the things that you're doing with Closed Eyes, Open Hearts. I feel like you have so much more that you're going to grow into and we'd love to follow the story. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your organization that we can get out to our listeners? Well, first off, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. And then just like you said, just follow us on Instagram. We need followers and check us out on our website and follow what we're doing. And we appreciate all the support. Perfect. I would love to maybe down the line, follow up with you every so often and maybe do another time where we can sit down and chat and just watch this journey go because it is sort of just at the beginning, but I feel like you have so much more that you're going to be doing. And I love that you continue to have ideas and continue to evolve and pivot because it will be such an amazing journey to follow. Yes, I would love to come back and share my journey with you. I really appreciate Yay. that. And I know your show is going to continue to do great. So we'll both <laughs> see each other. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard... NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm.
If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM. 